The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw it, They said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the one God, who is lover, beloved, and love overflowing. There are really just two ways to God. The way of love and the way of need. The way of love is the way of the mystic, who is totally absorbed in God. The way of need is the way of the addict, who recognizes that it is only God's grace, given moment by moment, that saves her from drowning in the abyss of her own obsessions and illusions. Whichever of these ways we start on, we will eventually find ourselves on the other as well. For they're really the same way, seen from different angles. The mystic, seeking God above and in all things, will long to be freed from whatever is not God, to be freed from whatever would prevent her from recognizing her full unity with God. And the addict, relying on God's grace moment by moment, will come to love deeply and fully the one who sustains her. Addict and lover, love and need, so closely intertwined as to be one path, one being. Like the human and divine, 
united in Jesus, and through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in each of us as well. So it is with the fruit of the Spirit of which God, oh, sorry, of which Paul, there's a slip for you, <laughs> of which Paul writes to the Galatians and to us. He tells them, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Now, I would imagine that each of us could say yes to this statement. I would imagine that most of us have experienced the freedom of Christ, freedom in Christ. And yet, the further we walk down the road to freedom, the more obvious it becomes how unfree we all remain. The roots of sin, to use traditional language, run very deep. As soon as I recognize a selfless or generous action as the gift of God, my ego takes credit for it, and I feel puffed up with pride at my growth in love. See how generous I am now. Paul certainly knew this phenomenon very well. Why else would he chastise the Galatians? For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. And just a few lines later, he tells them, If you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. I bet we can all identify with these lines as well. Though we are free in and through Christ, we remain, in the words of 12-step spirituality, chained in the bondage of self. We are both free through Christ's liberating love and enslaved to our own obsessive self-regard. In other words, we are both the lover and the addict free to love and be loved, and in desperate need of further freedom. In the odd and paradoxical way of the things of God, it is when we most fully recognize our unfreedom, our enslavement to our obsessions and illusions, that we are actually closest to true freedom. Just as it is when we are most fully and deeply absorbed in our love of God that we are most powerfully aware of our need of grace and mercy. Love and need bound up together. Addict and mystic, our twinned selves. In her first novel, Housekeeping, Marilyn Robinson captures this dynamic very beautifully. She writes, Imagine a Carthage sown with salt, and all the sowers gone, and the seeds lain however long in the earth, 
till there rose finally in vegetable profusion leaves and trees of rhyme and brine. What flowering there would be in such a garden. Light would force each salt calyx to open in prisms and to fruit heavily with bright globes of water. Peaches and grapes are little more than that, and where the world was salt, there would be greater need of slaking. For need can blossom into all the compensations it requires. To crave and to have are as like as a thing and its shadow. For when does a berry break upon the tongue as sweetly as when one longs to taste it? And when is the taste refracted into so many hues and savors of ripeness and earth? And when do our senses know anything so utterly as when we lack it? And here again is a foreshadowing. The world will be made whole. For to wish for a hand on one's hair is all but to feel it. So whatever we may lose, very craving brings it back to us again. Though we dream and hardly know it, longing like an angel fosters us, smooths our hair, and brings us wild strawberries. For need can blossom into all the compensations it requires. To crave and to have are as like a thing, are as like as a thing and its shadow. When do we long more powerfully for self-control than when we have just said something rash and hurtful without thinking it through? When do we long for love more fully than in our loneliness? When do we yearn for generosity, kindness, and peace more strongly than when we powerfully feel their lack? To want means both to be without and to desire. Such is the human experience of God. Contrary to reason, our longing for God is not a sign of God's absence. It is perhaps the truest sign of God's presence. For our thirst for God can never at least in this life, be fully quenched. The more we have of God, the more aware we become, paradoxically, of our distance from God, and the more we long to bridge that distance. In other words, our love for God is our need of God, and our need of God is the sign of our love for God. Or to paraphrase Thomas Merton, our poverty is written in us 
as God's glory. Yes, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And to the degree that we are still in unfreedom, we can rejoice that our need holds us close to God until that the time that that need blossoms into the love we so desperately want. Until the time when our very craving gives us back to our beloved and we, too, become fully one once more.